Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast, episode 12. This is the season finale, season one. I want to thank everybody for tuning in all season long through all the episodes, the ups and downs, the tweets, everything to get this show going, get it up and running. This season one has been a lot of fun. Can't wait for season two, but for now, I enjoy the time we're going to have tonight. we got a great show for you tonight for this season finale. Before we get into what we're going to talk about, i got quick news for you guys. We got USA women's soccer team. They basically limp into the round of 16 at the Women's World Cup. Um, they only had one win in group stage and two draws. And they play against an undefeated Sweden team Sunday, 4 a.m. local time. If you are one of those early morning risers on a Sunday, maybe you can catch them before church. Maybe you can catch them if you couldn't sleep all night. If you had a fun Saturday night and you're still up, you can turn on TV and catch USA and Sweden at 4 a.m. local. They are trying to, us, the U.S. women's national team, trying to be the first team in the history of World Cup to three-peat in the World Cup. They won it in 2015 and 2019. So they're trying to be the first team in history to go three straight World Cups as champions. So a lot of support. Hope the ladies can do it, bring it home. They got a tough match Sunday against an undefeated Sweden team. So I hope they do that. Other quick news, we got Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz this Saturday, August 5th. It is a boxing match. So very similar to what you saw with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, obviously not of that caliber of a fighter, but a boxer and an MMA fighter in a boxing match. This will be a 10-round exhibition. It won't be eight rounds. They're going 10. They moved it up from eight in June. And then the main event is going to be fighting at cruiserweight. So cruiserweight is about 200 pounds. That's the match you can be at cruiserweight. A little bit below, a little bit above light heavy but below heavyweight. It's right there in the middle, sweet spot. So it'll be interesting to see what that fight will be like. Jake Paul has been boxing for years, whereas Nate Diaz has never been in a professional or exhibition boxing match. I personally think Jake Paul will win, even though he's probably hated by most. And Nate Diaz is the people's champ, pretty much. I think that Jake Paul will win simply because Nate Diaz is not used to fighting for this long. MMA fights are only three rounds. They're three five-minute rounds, nonetheless, or championship fights are five-minute, five-round championship fights. He's not used to fighting 10 rounds. It's a lot on your body. It's a lot of energy exerted. And Jake Paul has the experience at least fighting eight. So I think if Nate Diaz doesn't knock him out in the first three or four rounds, I think he'll just tire out, and I think it won't be enough to, to get through it. I could be wrong. Hopefully the fight's exciting, but it's this Saturday, so check that out. Other news, we got quarterback Hunter Decker for the Iowa State Cyclones football team and four other current and former players are involved in a gambling and tampering uh, case with Iowa State football games in 2021. So this was back when Decker was a freshman, I believe. And him and four other players that have been named or that have been talked about in this case are in trouble or on trial in, in the midst of trouble for gambling and tampering with Iowa State football games. So this is a big deal. Obviously, a player on a team getting caught for gambling and sports book. That's one layer of it. The other layer of it is when Decker did it. He was not 21 years old, so he wasn't even legally able to gamble. He did it under his parents' name. His parents made a profile page for him to do it. So a lot of layers. We'll see what happens with him. He's not going to be in spring football. He might not play in the fall this year as a senior because of these allegations. So we'll see what happens with this. But the disguise account is the parent with the parents is what's most shocking. His parents were in on it and allowed it to happen. Maybe they didn't know the rules. You can't bet on games. Maybe they didn't know he was betting on Iowa State football games. But it finds out allegedly he was. So we'll see what that story turns into going more into the season with Iowa State football. 
All right. Also, NFL is back. I know the world is excited about that. Long summer. Everybody is waiting for August to get here so we can get back to some football. The Hall of Fame game is actually tomorrow. The Jets play against the Browns. I'm interested to see a first look at Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform. Obviously, he's still wearing that green, but it's a different kind. And he's with a different team, different number. And we get a look at Deshaun Watson, a full season, quote unquote, no distractions, no suspensions. He had a full, he's in the midst of a full training camp. So it'll be interesting to see what he will look like as well, how long they'll play. I want to see, hopefully it's more than just one series for both of them, but we'll see what happens. They usually ramp up as the preseason goes. So that'll be a first look tomorrow at some NFL football. Glad to see them guys back. Now, the topics that we're going to get into today, we're going to talk NBA and we're going to talk about the collective bargaining agreement. I'm going to get real nerdy on y'all, talk a little bit about the collective bargaining agreement and give y'all more details on what the new bargaining agreement was that came into play July 1st of this year, this summer, and how it will look going into 2029. Then the X Factor Sports Podcast is going to save the NFL running back. Make sure you don't miss that segment. We're going to put our cape on. We're going to figure out how to save the NFL running back so they can so we can show how valuable they are. Okay. Then we're going to get into Major League Baseball. The trade deadline just ended. We're going to talk about and dive into each division, who's going to win their division now that the trade deadline has ended for Major League Baseball. But before we get into all of the segments, what I want to talk about is the Hall of Fame. We're going to continue that, going down that road. But the Hall of Fame basketball versus football, the differences between those two Hall of Fames. Personally, before I even get into this, I think the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a more prestigious Hall of Fame of all of the team sports. Major League Baseball is a joke. Um, they have players that are Hall of Famers, but because they took steroids in an era where steroids were not illegal and Major League Baseball benefited off of them, now they turn around because it looks bad in the public eye. They don't want to put them in a Hall of Fame. It's BS. Clearly, I'm okay with it right <laughs> sound like i'm not bitter at all that's neither here nor there basketball just seems like a joke to me because the players they put into the hall of fame for basketball it's the totality of their basketball career they get into college their impact on the sport yes it makes sense to do that but then when you start letting people into the hall of fame like a bill walton the guy has six thousand career points one championship okay he has an mvp he he was a great player in the 70s but as the calendar turned to the 80s he was injury prone wasn't able to fulfill his potential but he's a hall of famer for what he did for about four or five years i think it's bs and just over the years if you've done things overseas and your impact this and that you deserve to be in the hall of fame if you played in several all-star games it just turned the basketball hall of fame is just turned into the hall of very good or the hall of you know good players that played for a long time so that's the reason why i lean more towards the nfl or the football hall of fame because it's a pro football hall of fame it doesn't take into account anything you did in college it talks about what you did in the nfl in terms of the totality of work you're winning your stats your impact on the game, all of those things come into play. And that's why I feel like the Pro Football Hall of Fame has gotten it right when it comes to how they select people. I don't like that it took certain players a certain amount of years to get in just because the media votes for it and the media gets into their feelings about players. I wish it was more centered on how the players played the game, but a lot of that is mixed into Hall of Fame, right? So the distinct difference between the Hall of Fame was, like I said, Basketball Hall of Fame is the totality of your basketball life, whereas the Pro Football Hall of Fame or the Football Hall of Fame is about your pro career. And this makes football a little more exclusive to me because of that. You have to be great to be in that Hall of Fame. It's a 
they make it a very ceremonious, honorable thing when they do the bust. Obviously, you see a statue of your face goes to Canton, Ohio. So it's a real cool thing to do, to see, to be a part of. And it's an elite club. You get the gold jacket. I've always liked watching the Hall of Fame because of it. I always thought it was pretty cool. So it doesn't matter that you played a bunch of years. The biggest thing about it was that you were elite at your position. So a player like a Shannon Sharp, who was a seventh round draft pick, when he retired from the game, he had so many tight end records and he won three Super Bowls. The fact that it took three or four times for him to get in was kind of crazy to me, but he's in there. He's in the same Hall of Fame as a Deion Sanders who's first ballot and deservingly so. So for basketball, how do they change that? I feel like they need to change the criteria for the, the Hall of Fame. I understand you can't do pro basketball Hall of Fame because you have the WNBA, you have women that played USA basketball before there was a WNBA, your, your Rebecca Lobos, your Cheryl Soups of the world, or your Cheryl Millers. So you have to find a way to put them in the Hall of Fame because they deserve to be there. So I understand that. But with NBA players specifically, there are guys in the Hall of Fame to me that are head scratchers that I don't think should be in the Hall of Fame. They had good careers, not great, but they're in there nonetheless. Like Tracy McGrady, I was a big Tracy McGrady fan. I was a Tracy McGrady fan before I was a Kobe fan. But when I look at his career, he never got out of the first round of the playoffs. Yes, he was an, a great scorer, a great player, but when you talk about Hall of Fame, like these are the elite of the elite at their sport. So that in, at that point, you're splitting hairs. I mean, he, he, hasn't, he didn't win anything. He didn't get close to winning anything. Um, he was injury prone towards the end of his career, but he was still great in his own right. He revolutionized the shooting guard position at 6'9", could do everything, was an sco elite scorer. But Hall of Fame... For me, I guess my standards are too high. It's been hard for me to put him in there, a Grant Hill, like hard for me to put guys like that in there because of his injuries. But then you spin around and you talk about a Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose didn't have the career that these guys had in terms of all-star game appearances, all NBAs, but he was an MVP at least. Like those other two guys didn't even win an MVP. They weren't the best player in the league during their time. So the MVP holds a lot of weight to me as an individual award when you're looking at Hall of Famers that are getting in for their individual accolades. So something in the future maybe to think about, you guys let me know. We are on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Like, share, subscribe. Let me know what are some things you guys think can change about the Basketball Hall of Fame to be more like the Pro Football Hall of Fame and be in that exclusive club. Don't want you guys to go anywhere. When we come back with the X Factor Sports Podcast, we're going to talk NBA, the new collective bargaining agreement, what it means. I'm going to geek out with y'all for a little bit. We'll be right back with the X Factor Sports Podcast season finale. Yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast season finale, season one. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, tell everybody to tune in right now because we are live. Now what I want to get into is the NBA. So collective bargaining agreement was official on July 1st this summer. 
and the deal is guaranteed until 2029. So basically what that means is you won't have to worry about any lockouts, anything happening with the league until 2029. There's going to be more revenue brought into basketball because of new media deals, new TV deals. All that is encompassed in the collective bargaining agreement. For those of you who don't know about the collective bargaining agreement in the NBA, there is a 50-50 revenue split between owners and the players with basketball-related income, obviously TV deals, jerseys, things like that. So with that, it separates them from other leagues. NFL, where the NFL has like a hard salary cap, the NBA has what's called a soft cap, meaning they can go over whatever that cap number is, whereas the NFL, they cannot. So what we're going into with this new CBA they are going to start penalizing teams with what's called a second apron. So the what aprons are is basically like a threshold that you can go over with the with the luxury tax or with your with your revenue with the NBA salary cap. When you hit that first apron, there are rules and then there's rules with the second apron. I'll dive into those. So the NBA induced introduced it that second apron with the revenue. So like I said, Marcus team caps to go over the salary. The NBA salary cap now is at a max of 36 million. The floor is like 124 million. So basically the team has to spend a minimum of $124 million every year on their roster. And the maximum they can spend is 136 million. So that's why when you see these players, Jalen Brown get five years, 302, well, he's getting roughly $60 million per season. So out of that $136 million in cap space, $60 million of it goes to Jalen Brown. Now you have $76 million to work with to get the rest of the roster put together. Obviously, Tatum is still on the contract the next year. You know, you have other players. Al Horford's there for another year, Robert Williams. All those guys will stay together at least for one more season until their contract's up, and then it gets renegotiated. Okay. So if the team exceeds the cap, they must pay a luxury tax. Most of the teams around the, most of the teams in the NBA are in states where there is state tax. Some aren't Texas, Florida, so on and so forth. Those don't have state tax. So luxury tax is a little different for them, a little higher, a little lower in other states. So if they get to $172 million in a cap, they trigger what's called the first apron. With the first apron, all that means is if you go over the cap and you spend up to that $172 million, teams are not able to sign a free agent or sign a player in a sign and trade, okay? Or they're only able to do it through a sign and trade. They can't use cash or incentives to move a player. So basically, in layman's terms, if I go over this cap and I want to trade a player, it has to be equal value with the player's salary. I can't put cash considerations because I'm already over the cash limit. <clears throat> That's at 172 million. If they get up to 182 million, which is another $10 million over the first apron, this is what they've instituted in this new collective bargaining agreement. It's called the second apron. So teams cannot include cash in trades and they cannot trade picks seven years out. So you see a lot of that on those NBA shows where a team will trade for a player and they're trading their second pick in year 2029 or, you know, years in advance. If you are over that second apron, you are no longer allowed to do that. And the reason they do that is to bring a little bit of parity into the NBA for smaller market teams. Because think of a team like Golden State. If they are built to win championships, they don't give a damn about that pick that's Seven years down the road, Steph will be retired. Clay will be retired. Like, so they don't care. They're trying to win now. So what the collective bargaining agreement suggests is that if you plan on spending all your money and going over the tax, we're not going to allow you to do future draft picks. You, so they penalize them if they try to do that. So that's what the second apron is. Basically, teams cannot trade player for player to match salary dollars. And... If they are over the second apron three out of five years, 
their draft pick is moved to the last pick of the first round automatically. Again, using that Golden State example, they're looking to win championships as many as they can while Steph, Clay, and Draymond are together. So they probably don't care about the draft picks down the road. But in order to incentivize teams to not do it, they had to implement this second apron because the luxury tax was getting ridiculous. The Golden State Warriors have been over the luxury tax like the last two or three years. And Cleveland did it when LeBron was there. So the NBA is trying to find a way to have a happy medium. Yes, you can still go over that tax, but if you do it too often or you do too much money, we got to penalize you for it. And the reason they landed on that is because if you remember back in 2016, there was a salary cap or collective bargain agreement renegotiation. And that's what allowed Kevin Durant to go to Golden State because there was a big shot in the arm with the CBA and there, the revenue went up 15% in the NBA. And that's a big amount of money when you talk millions of dollars. So because the salary cap went up 50, 15%, over 15%, they were able to get a Kevin Durant and give him the max while Steph was getting paid, while Clay was getting paid. And you had guys like J.J. Redick making $24 million in one season, which sounds ridiculous. But understanding the rules of the CBA, each team has to spend that money. They have to spend a minimum. Remember I talked about at the beginning of the segment, you have to spend the minimum amount of money to, to utilize that that salary cap. And so because that happened, it was such a monumental shift in the NBA with Golden State. It was a foregone conclusion they were going to win championships with KD and those other guys kind of tipped the balance of power. So what they did in this next collective bargaining agreement, they lowered the revenue percentage so it doesn't go up. It doesn't tick as high year after year. So now it's down to its normal 6-7% uptick and that levels the playing field for more teams. Your Milwaukee Bucks, your Charlotte Hornets, like your your low market teams, I should say lower market teams, Oklahoma City Thunders. It helps them level the playing field when they're going against the Miami Heats, the New York Knicks, Chicago Bulls, Lakers type of franchises that are more destination places for, for our top players. So that's why they do that. So with leveling the playing field, the revenue percentage is so that it makes, so it doesn't make that huge jump anymore. Okay. So what does this mean? It's designed for trades to be made for the top players. So they don't leave their franchises. You're the teams that drafted them. You're Giannis Antetokounmpo's. They don't go anywhere. Your LaMelo Balls, when he's up for a contract, he doesn't go anywhere. You know, team the Damian Lillard. So Damian Lillard, his situation right now with the Miami Heat, what he's going through is the Heat are trying to put together a package for him, but the Portland Trailblazers don't want Tyler Hero. They don't think he's worth the 120-some million dollars that the Heat had to pay him and they won't get equal value. The reason that the collective bargain agreement put in his second apron and changed the way the percentage of the revenue works is because they're trying to balance out equal value for players going to different teams. Usually, so Kevin Durant leaves, goes to Golden State. You know that OKC is not going to get equal value for Kevin Durant. But now with the new collective bargain agreement, if a Damian Lillard leaves Portland to go to Miami, because the way it's structured now, they're going to get equal value, at least in dollars and probably in talent as well. And they get more recent picks. They can't go out to six, seven years down the road and give up picks. So that's what we're looking at. So with the NBA, it'll be a lot of changes. Minor, It looks like minor tweaks, but once you see free agency in years to come, it'll make more sense as to why players are staying where they stay, stay put versus why players are leaving and going to these marquee teams and you're not going to see these super teams as much as we used to these big threes that's what a lot of this is doing it's kind of getting rid of the big three you can have two dynamic a dynamic duo but big three three max contracts like those things are going to come to an end like phoenix i don't know how long durant De devin booker and bradley bill will stay together 
because when their contracts are up, it'd be hard to keep all of them together. So that's what you'll start seeing here in the near future. When we come back on the X Factor Sports Podcast, live on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok for the season finale, we're going to get into how the X Factor Sports Podcast is going to save the running back position. We have a solution here, guys. We've been mixing it up. You know, we went in the lab. We did some math, carried the one. Now we're going to show y'all how we will get the NFL running back back on the field. We're going to save football when we come back. X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast season finale. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Again, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And live during the show, go ahead and chat, place your comments. If you are subscribed on YouTube, you can put your comments in and we will talk about those and go back and forth. Those will get responses. Now let's get into the NFL. Like I told you, we are going to save the running back position. If you've been paying attention to the news, you've seen running backs being undervalued left and right. It's been happening for years. It's gotten to a crescendo where the players are meeting in Zoom calls, trying to figure out what they need to do for their position. The top running backs in the league are doing it. Your Jonathan Taylors, your Saquon Barkley's, Derrick Henry's, like top guys, all pro guys, feel like they're undervalued in the NFL. Why are these running backs undervalued? Okay. Is it possible that the running backs will sit? Will they try to form their own union? I don't even know if it's legal, if they can form their own union within the players' union that they're under, the NFLPA. But will it be a collective thing where we're looking at our players, our NFL players sitting out and just saying, we ain't playing. If y'all don't want to give us our money, we will not play anymore. Do we think that's something that could happen? Because think about it like this. If you guys did not know, the average salary for running backs in the NFL is $1.8 million a year. The salary for kickers is $2.2 million a year. Think about that for a second. The running back is so undervalued that kickers are average getting paid more than them. $2.2 million a year for the average kicker. Justin Tucker's, those guys like that. Whereas the top running backs are getting paid less. So obviously they have something to gripe about. They're on the field taking hits. They are doing everything on the offensive side of the ball, 60, 70 plays, 200 to 300 carries a year, but they're undervalued. The kicker gets in four times a game. I guess if you want to count kickoffs, seven or eight times a game. And they're getting paid more than the average running back. So how do we save the running back position? Well, in order to save the running back position, we have to understand what the running back does, right? Okay? Let's just run it down. Running backs bring balance to the game. Yes, this is a passing league, but if you only pass the ball, how predictable does that make you for the defense? So you clearly need running backs to provide balance. 
when you need those short yards plays, who are you going to? You need to turn around, get the ball to running back. The running back keeps his defense off the field and keeps the opposing defenses on the field. Time of possession. Right? The running back helps these mobile quarterbacks. We got a lot of dual threat quarterbacks. Your Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, your Lamar Jacksons, Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't consider him dual threat. He runs when he needs to. Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen in the red zone is just running people over. So you can preserve these franchise quarterbacks with elite running back play. So another reason why running backs are valued, okay? That's why it makes sense to have your top running backs in on third down, in the red zone. It makes sense to have these top guys playing. Also, running back, good running backs are multifaceted. You running back, they can block. They can pick up blitzes. They obviously can run through the, in between the tackles. They can get to the outside. They can catch the ball in the backfield. They can do all three things. They can do things that tight ends do. They can do things that wide receivers do and obviously what running backs do. Wide receivers can't run the ball like a running back. Tight ends can't run the ball like a running back. But running backs can catch the ball like them. So if, you, if you're old enough to remember Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, like these guys were multifaceted, hard to guard, you know, because of what they can do. Christian McCaffrey is one of those today where he can catch the ball in the backfield, make plays. Hell, he threw a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and ran a touchdown in the same game last year. I mean, if there's no value in that in football, then I don't know what to tell you. You're not seeing a wide receiver do those three things in a game unless you Debo. Debo Samuel can probably do it, but he's the outlier. He came in the league as a running back, though. Think about it. Wide receivers don't get converted to running backs. Running backs get converted to wide receiver because one, that's where the money is. And two, they're tired of getting beat up every play. Running backs hit the ground every play, whether they're blocking or running themselves. So to say that there's no value in that in a football game, in a collision sport, just seems ridiculous to me. So because of that being a threat, time of possession, also this lastly, if you are a team that is trying to win a Super Bowl, you understand this. When it gets to January, December and January, what are the two things that travel? Defense and running game. When you need that team, when you can't get down the field, bad weather, cold, when the game gets in the trenches, you need your running back to move the chains. You need your running back to keep the offense on the field. And you need your defense to sustain. Everybody, any pro football, any football aficionado, anybody that knows anything about football will tell you the same thing, that defense and running game is what travels in the NFL. And when you get past November, when you get past Turkey Day, what are we talking about? Teams that have the best defense, who has the healthiest running backs? So to say that there's no value in them makes no sense to me. I think these running backs definitely have a gripe they have a point and they should be looked at and evaluated to make more money for these running backs. And on a side note, when you play fantasy football, who's the first thing? What's the first position you pick? Exactly. Everybody's picking a running back first. It don't matter what league you in. If you PPR standard, it does not matter. If you got a number one pick, you know, you're looking at King Henry. You're looking at Saquon. I had Saquon in three leagues last season and won two out of three of those leagues. So, to act like that we don't value these football players in real life or in fantasy is ridiculous to me. So that's how I feel about it. Again, like I said, because they play most of the game, they carry the load, they can protect your quarterback, they can protect your defense. If you got a shitty defense, your running back staying on the field is protecting them, giving them rest. They don't have to play as long. Time of possession is in your hands. Every offensive quarterback with every offensive coordinator, mind you, will tell you that they would love to have the ball longer than the other team's offense. And passing the ball 50 times a game is not going to keep the ball in your hands. There needs to be some sort of balance. I'm not saying it needs to be 50-50. But what I am saying is 
if you throw the ball 50 times and you run the ball 30 times, you probably have a good chance of winning because the fact that you had the ball for that many plays tells us time of possession, you got fresh defense, you're keeping their defense on the field. They Those big boys got to play 80 plays. Like, it just makes sense. So to try to eliminate or devalue the running game is not football. Like, we're not trying to eliminate running backs in fantasy football. We're trying to get kickers off our league. I just did a draft the other day, and guys were talking about, man, y'all ready to get rid of these kickers or what? <laughs> Nobody even wants them on the field. So to, to have the average salary for the kickers be more than a running back is ridiculous to me. And what it's doing to the game is just watering it down even more. It's already been watered down with the rules. Yes, you got to protect your quarterbacks. It is a business. You want to protect the franchise guys. But the flags for hard hits, like legal hits, not letting these running backs run the ball, not letting them play, just seems ridiculous to me. Hopefully in the future, the NFL looks at this and, and sees how valuable this position is to the sport and how valuable running backs are when it comes to blocking, blitz protection, sweeps, going between the tackles, catching passes in the backfield, and just overall getting in the end zone, protecting your wide receivers as well. Another nugget for y'all before we head out. In 2022, the wide receiver was number one in injuries reported in 2022. 223 injuries were reported by what position? Wide receivers. So we talk about the value of the wide receivers in this passing league. They are the most injured players in the league as of last season. So think about that. Running backs, if that doesn't seem valuable to you, if, if the X Factor Sport podcast didn't just drop the mic and save the running back position, I don't know what, what else we need to do. If I need to run a campaign, save our running backs, I'll do that. I'll take that. All right, X Factor Sports podcast. We appreciate the running back. We want the running back to get paid more. They do all the dirty work. They take all the hits, and they don't get represented for it. Yes, we've had some contracts that were overblown and guys didn't live up to them, but that shouldn't take away from the guys that do it every year, year in and year out. And, and furthermore, to take care of them when they're done playing football. That's the most important thing. So like I said, we're here for the running backs, man. We, we're going to save the day. Hopefully you guys appreciate that. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Save the running backs, man. It's the X Factor Sports Podcast. When we come back, we're going to get into baseball, the MLB. The trade deadline just ended. We're going to get into each individual division in baseball. And since the trade deadline, we're going to talk about who's making the final push to win their division. It's the X Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Yo, yo, we are back with the X-Factor Sports Podcast season finale show, episode 12. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, thank you guys for sharing, liking, subscribing. Continue to support. Even when season one ends, you can still catch me on all of the social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, of course, TikTok, of course, threads even, I will be on all of them, giving you guys weekly pop-ups, opinions, still talking sports talk. But now we're going to get into Major League Baseball. If you notice, the free agency just ended. The trade deadline just ended this week. Some teams made moves. Some teams did not. 
Some stayed put. My Chicago White Sox just basically threw in the threw in the towel, waved the white flag. They had a, a, a fire sale. They tried to get rid of Tim Anderson even. It's ridiculous. So the White Sox basically have punted this season away. So they're looking for to rebuild. They got a lot of top prospects, though. They did do that. So in terms of prospects, I say the White Sox did the best job. But as a fan, you want to see your teams win right away, and they didn't. So it's all good. But we're going to go through each division since the end of the trade deadline and see who's going to make the push. I'm going to give you a prediction of who I think is going to win their division. And we're going to start with the American League East, the surprise of the league, I would say. This team has been historically bad probably the last four or five years. They probably have the most losses in the last five years. And it's the Baltimore Orioles. If you would have told me come August, the Baltimore Orioles would be winning the AL East and the Yankees would be in last place in the AL East, I wouldn't have believed you. Especially with Aaron Judge coming back off a historic year last year. But that's where we're at. The Yankees are in last place and the Baltimore Orioles are in first. And I, be, and I believe they will hold on and win the AL East and go to the playoffs. In the American League Central, the Twins have a slight edge over the Guardians. I think they hold on as well. Minnesota Twins have been consistent all year. I feel like they'll win that division. The Royals aren't doing anything. The White Sox, like I just told y'all, they're in a rebuild now. They've pivoted, and they're going to try to rebuild. And the Detroit Tigers are the Detroit Tigers. I mean, Miguel Cabrera should get a piece of ownership of that franchise, and that's it. <laughs> Detroit ain't doing nothing. But I think the Minnesota Twins... Like the Vikings in football, they're going to win that division. In the American League West, with what the Houston Astros did, they're in second place now, and the Texas Rangers are in first. The Rangers have been in first all year. The Astros are making a run, and it looks like they might catch them. I'm going to – my pick is that the Arizona – oh, I'm sorry, the Houston Astros are going to overtake the Texas Rangers. They did really well during the trade deadline. And I feel like they are going to jump them. They just got Justin Verlander back from the Mets. That'll probably rejuvenate the dugout and the bullpen and get them to where they need to be to win this division. And they're looking to repeat. They are last year's World Series champs. So I feel like they can go ahead and repeat that. In the National League, this team has been the most dominant team in baseball probably the last six years, even though they have one World Series ring to show for it. In the regular season, this team has dominated everybody. The Atlanta Braves. I've been to a Braves game here in the last couple of years. Probably one of the best baseball stadiums I've ever been to. It was a lot of fun there. The Braves are a fun team to watch. I got the Atlanta Braves winning the National League. The NL East, they're on a dominant run. If they win this division, it will be their sixth division title in a row. They've just been running through the National League East. I don't think anybody can stop them. I think the Mets tried. They failed miserably, so they got rid of Scherzer and Verlander. Don't think they can do it. They tried to buy a team. It didn't work out. So the Atlanta Braves will move on, win the National League East. The NL Central, the Cincinnati Reds are another surprise team. They look fun. They've had multiple double-digit win streaks this year. Uh, they're young. They have a great time in Cincinnati. They look like they're going to win the Central for the first time in a long time. Ellie De La Cruz looks like the best young talent since Otani in the last few years. I love watching him play. He plays with a lot of exuberance, a lot of excitement, a lot of he, – he looks like a young baseball player, somebody that makes baseball look fun. So – and that team, it's rubbing off on the team, you can tell. Like, even their top guys, the Joey Votos, isn't having the best season batting average-wise. I think he's under 200 batting average. But the team still looks like they're having a lot of fun. And that's what baseball is. Of If any sport, baseball is about team camaraderie and momentum, for sure. There's 162 games. You have to have some sort of camaraderie. You have to like being around the guys you're around every day to make that work. I think the Cincinnati Reds are the epitome of that right now. They will win the NL Central. Last but not least, in the National League and NL West, 
the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers, looks like they're going to dominate that division as well. They have in recent years, looking to win back-to-back -back division titles since 2020, where they won two or three in a row back then. Took a little dip one year, and now I think they're back. So they will win the NL West. I don't see anybody competing with them. So that's the way it's looking for baseball after the trade deadline. You got the Orioles winning their division. The Minnesota Twins, Houston Astros are going to leap over the Texas Rangers. The Braves will continue to dominate. LA Cruz and the Reds will win their first division title in years. And the LA Dodgers will go back to back for the first time since 2020, taking a year off in 2021. Baseball season is here. We will get more into it in season two when we get closer to playoff baseball. But for now, that's what it's looking like after the trade deadline. When we come back, we will get into the two-minute warning. Last two-minute warning of the season. You don't want to miss out. This is the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Jim. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. <clears throat> Special thanks to everybody that watched the show from the beginning, May 17th, the season premiere, all the way to today, August 2nd, for the season finale. Want to thank you guys. Want to shout out some of my biggest followers, Kevin, Yo Kevin Logan. I appreciate you. I appreciate my guys, Nick Bradley. I appreciate my guys, Rob Johnson. I appreciate my family. Back home in Chicago, all the guys that like, share, subscribe. Our brothers, AJ, Jason, appreciate you guys for tuning in, subscribing, liking, sharing. Anybody else that I might have missed, I want to thank you guys, though, for tuning in. My guy, Joey Bowman, one of the first guys to share and like and subscribe on TikTok. I appreciate that. I appreciate Cat and Greg for always tuning in. I appreciate Bex for liking all the videos, even though she probably didn't understand a lot of the sports stuff. She's just there to support Katie Brunsman, all you guys, Shelly, all y'all. I appreciate everybody. My boy G Smooth always tuning in, checking me out. Even if it's later, he still get, gets time to sit down. And for again, people I might have forgot. I thank everybody for tuning in. This first season was amazing. We made it to over a thousand subscribers on YouTube. We made it to over 10,000 subscribers on TikTok, over 1,500 on Instagram. I want to continue to build. I want to continue to grow this thing and make sure you guys are a part of it. Next season, we're going to have special guests. We may have sit-downs on the couch. We may have a lot of different things going into next season. We got football coming. I'm a huge football guy. For the people that know me, know I'm huge when it comes to fantasy football, confidence pool, Everything that has to do with betting with football is going to be a big season, better than the last, and they're going to continue to get bigger and better. And that's because of you guys. So I want to give y'all y'all flowers for paying attention and watching me and for Miss D. Could not have done this without Miss D. She's always been there for me. Number one, biggest supporter. I love her. I'm glad she's here for me. The X Factor Sports Podcast. So, to end this off right, we have to always do it with the two-minute drill. If you haven't caught the theme of my two-minute drills this season, I give you guys a couple minutes where I talk about how to basically relate when we do all this sports talk to life. Things that I live by, things that I think are true, things that come from the heart. So with this one, it's the best way to end it is to finish what you start. Holding yourself accountable. 
if you know you want to start something, if you have the idea to start something, don't be afraid to go out and finish what you start. No matter what the obstacles are, what setbacks you have, how long it takes, just be diligent in what you're doing, finishing what you start, holding yourself accountable, making yourself honorable in what it is you do. Do what you say you're going to do. Enjoy the process. It's going to be tough. Things can happen. That's life. We all deal with life obstacles, but you have to enjoy the process, the beauty of the process. So when you do get to that finish line, the celebration is bigger. Celebrate small victories and learn from failures. There's always going to be some ups and downs and pitfalls. If you don't celebrate those small things when you're in the process, the grind, it's going to seem like it's for not the road, the, the end of that tunnel is going to seem so far away if you're not celebrating those small victories. So be sure to do that, but lock right back in. And if there's failures, look yourself in that mirror, understand what the failure was and how you can fix it and get better. And keep the main thing the main thing. A lot of people hear that, don't understand what it means. The main thing is the goal. Whatever your end goal is, that is the forefront. How do I get to that? You don't let anything sidetrack you from that main thing. And appreciate the people who helped along the way which is why before this two minute warning, I wanted to say thank you to you guys because I appreciate you. This show doesn't exist without you guys, without your support, without your positive or negative feedback. That's what we want, that's what we want to see. And I appreciate it all. So I appreciate, and you should appreciate the people that have helped you along the way. Last but certainly not least, be ready to move on to the next task. All right, remember, always enjoy the process, finish what you start, but you have to be ready to move on to the next task. And with that, I say thank you guys. Season one is a wrap. I'm ready to move on to season two. I'll see you guys in a few weeks. Promos coming soon for season two of the X Factor Sports Podcast. Be safe. Appreciate you guys. Peace.